We've been in this series called We Believe over the last several Sundays, and we've been talking through the things that we believe. Today, the title of the message is The Spirit We Embrace. I think the Holy Spirit um, has got his feelings hurt <laughs> over the years. You know, he has feelings. I'll, I'll show you scripture verses about that today. But um, I think he's been maligned. I think he's been pushed to the side. I think he's been, I think there's an enemy that is still very real and alive today who seeks to try to cause fear in the hearts of believers so that they don't understand things about the Holy Spirit. But I tell you this, outside of salvation, he is the greatest gift to mankind. And the first point is this, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside every believer once they confess their sins to God and they believe and accept the biblical truths about Jesus, the only begotten son of the living God. When they accept him, Jesus, as their savior and make him Lord of their life, they pledge their loyalty and allegiance to the living God. In that moment, I want you to hear me. If you have Catholic background, Baptist background, Lutheran background, Methodist background, Presbyterian background, any kind of background, every kind of church background, I need you to understand we as a church believe the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you at the moment of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. This is the experience of what we call being saved or what I refreshed your memory on a few weeks ago talking about Jesus. Uh, we use the term born again. The Holy Spirit helps us what we call regenerate or be born again. It's a work of supernatural grace that God gives us through the death and resurrection of his son. And it's initiated by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that no man can come to the Father except through Christ. And in other places, it says, except that they be drawn by the work of the Holy Spirit. So I need you to understand that first and foremost today. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39 says this. It says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So I want you to stop there and think about this. Step one is repentance. Step two is get water baptized. We understand the word baptism to mean immersion, like submitting ourselves under the water. So Peter is preaching and he says, repent, get forgiveness for your sins, and then go get baptized. It says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So if I'm reading this correctly, step one is repentance, step two is water baptism, and then the third thing is the reception of a gift known to us as the Holy Spirit. This, listen to me, is a secondary experience after salvation. And here's a, a freebie. This is just a no charge today for this thought. I love the fact that Peter, in his day and time, he was expressing something that was revolutionary. 
we know that our Christian faith has Jewish roots and we worship a God who sent a savior to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But here's what Peter is telling these people who are gathered together. He says, this gift, the Holy Spirit, is not just for you. It's also for your children. And it's for all who will eventually come to faith in Christ Jesus. So again, I will say to you, if it's your first time, you've never heard me say this, I will say it today, and that is there is no expiration date to Peter's preaching, to his message that was given that day. And in fact, Jesus Christ himself promises that there is no expiration date. I'll show you that in scripture today. So it was for the audience that day, it was for their kids, which is Jewish people in future generations, and Christians even today. Amen? So that's the first part of the introduction. The second statement part of the introduction is this. We believe, according to Scripture, that there is a secondary experience after salvation, and it's available to every believer. I want you to say out loud with me, nice and loud, the word every. Every. That means every believer. Did you know that this weekend there are believers who are serving sentences in prisons around America and the world who are hearing the gospel message of Jesus Christ and being saved and transformed, being filled by the Spirit of God, baptized in the Holy Spirit even today? It's amazing to know that God is not dead. He is surely alive and the Holy Spirit is God. We've talked a little bit about the Trinity. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. But I want you to understand what's referred to here in um, Acts chapter 2 when Peter is talking. It is a secondary experience we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I would say this, all Christians should seek this baptism. I don't know what you've been told. I don't know what you, what type of denomination you were raised in. I'm not sure. And I don't think that we hold, um, uh, every perfect doctrine. I don't think your church did when you were growing up. I don't think our church does. I think it's a progressive thing that we learn more about what the word of God says and we develop our understanding. That's the point of this whole series is for you to come to grips with what the Bible says, not just what your pastor thinks or his opinion on something, but it's for you to dig deeper into the word of God to figure out what you believe and not just what you believe, but why you believe it. There is a church alive and well today called the Unitarian Church. They do not believe in the Trinity. When a Jehovah's Witness, if, if you ever were to entertain conversation with them, you would understand they are not Trinitarian. They do not believe that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. So you need to know what you believe and not just that, but why you believe it. Because this is not a spectator sport. This is supposed to be us active in the body of Christ and in the world as lights to bring this faith and this message to others. Remember, to be baptized in something is to be immersed in it. I preach an annual series that I tweak and change every single year that lasts for several weeks just on the Holy Spirit. Because I think too many people think that he's weird, and he's not. 
Too many people, they do not understand what the gifts of the Spirit are. They, they surely don't exemplify all the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. So it's good for us to be reminded of what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit. Because listen to me, church. He wants to live inside of you, but he also wants to be with you. So salvation produces an internal result, but with the living of the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, it will produce external results as well. Listen to what John the Baptist says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So once you become a believer in Jesus and a follower of Christ, you should seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What it is, it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is subsequent to salvation. It's not the impartation of spiritual life, but it is the supply of power that you need in your life. I think that dying and dead churches are lacking one thing. They're not lacking a good pastor or a good group that would lead Sunday school. They're not lacking prayer leaders or a media team. They're not lacking those things. I truly really honestly believe that the majority of division as well as death in the body of Christ is a result of the lack of the Holy Spirit. It's people who are unwilling to submit themselves to the Spirit of God to work through reconciliation and to come together saying, we are united, you are the thumb, I'm the pinky, we are still the body of Christ and we're gonna work this out. I believe with all of my heart It is a lack of the Holy Spirit. And it's not for lack of him or his desire. It's for lack of our submission and willingness to allow him to do what he wants. He wants to give you power. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives power over sin, that he gives power for service. I've talked to many people, many people in my life in ministry And I experienced them before I was ever in ministry because my parents were in ministry too. I think one of the leading causes of burnout for those who serve in ministry is not just the busyness of our own lives, but it's the lack of spiritual development. So that's why we say in our church, we want to give room for spiritual development. We don't want you to burn out. We want you to be lit on fire, amen, but to keep the flame burning and burning strong. Someone gave me a lamp this week, an old style lamp like they used in the movies. That's all I've ever seen. Or maybe my great grandmother's house. And the interesting thing about it, it has a wick and oil you pour into it. It's beautiful glass. And um, I didn't ask for it, but I, I received it as a gift. And I thought, man, this is awesome. And I started to think about that in light of the message that I would be preaching this Sunday in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The thing is this, it needs refilling. The lamp base needs refilling. Can I get an amen? You as a believer need refilling of the Holy Spirit's power from time to time. Amen. 
So let me say it plainly, though, because I'm going to answer some questions today that you're not asking out loud, but you've probably asked before. The question, Pastor, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit necessary for me to get into heaven? The answer is no, but it sure is worth having in this world. The same thing is true of water baptism. Pastor, do I have to be water baptized? There are whole denominations based on the fact that you cannot serve in ministry or be invested in ministry or even claim to have been going to heaven if you haven't been water baptized. Well, then tell me this about the thief on the cross that Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because of his faith. He didn't have time to tithe. He didn't have time to get water baptized. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not gone yet. And so he didn't have time for these other things, but he was received into the kingdom. So do not believe the deception or the lie that has been told to many throughout the centuries that you must receive the baptism in order to be received into heaven. But I'm still telling you, If you plan on living a day after that in this dirty, evil, wicked, dark world, then the Holy Spirit is so worth pursuing. In fact, Jesus' final words to his followers were that they would receive power. And we see that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus has talked many times with his disciples and the followers that followed him around the crowds. And this moment in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is literally the last words that Jesus utters to his followers. And he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is something that's interesting that I think needs to be pointed out as well. The Holy Spirit was not given to the church for you to show off. And there's been a lot of that that's happened in the life of the church and given the Holy Spirit a bad name or a bad reputation. And I'm here to tell you the primary reason why the Holy Spirit was given to the church was not for somebody to speak in tongues. It was not for somebody to prophesy things in the future. It was not for that purpose. The purpose primarily of the gift of the Holy Spirit is so that you can open your mouth and be a witness to Jesus Christ in this dark and dying world. Pastor, I have such a hard time. I'm an introvert. I don't know if I've ever really shared my faith with people. You can't help but do that once the Holy Spirit gives you power. So I think we're lacking in the realm of the spiritual. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, then we surely will not have boldness. Sure, you can be extroverted and you can study the word of God and be willing to talk to anybody you come in contact with. But Jesus' own words are these. You will receive power to be my witnesses. So... If you've ever struggled to witness to someone, to share your faith, I believe there's room for us to pray to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're assured that it's the promise of the Father by Jesus himself. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus himself says this about those who are listening, which I think is really funny. He says, if you then who are evil, if you evil people, 
who are listening to me today know how to give a good gift to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Because he's better than the best. Amen? And it's, Jesus himself calls the Holy Spirit a gift. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Another question that comes up from time to time is this. Pastor, I've prayed to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I haven't received it. What should I do? Jesus continues to echo his words throughout history. Continue asking. Continue seeking. Continue knocking until the door is opened. I believe with all of my heart that God today wants to baptize believers in the Holy Spirit, even in this room and possibly online by watching this message today. I believe breakthrough is possible, but sometimes there's a lot of soul work and spirit work that has to be done as we work towards a breakthrough. Yes, God wants to set us free. Yes, he wants to give us freedom in every area of our life. But sometimes those things are journeys. They're works in progress. Sometimes they're instantaneous, but sometimes it's that the Lord wants to teach us things as he heals us and works through those things. So it's the promise of the Father. Let me sum up my introduction. You say, Pastor, that was really long. How long is this message going to be? I'm just getting started. Let me sum up the two-part introduction by saying this. Everyone who comes to faith in the living God through Jesus Christ becomes immediately indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's one, point number one. And point number two is this. Every believer... That is, every believer in whom the Holy Spirit already dwells should seek to be baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus after salvation. Today, I want to give you some scriptural evidence of our Trinitarian doctrine and belief that includes the Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word Elohim that's used in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and numerous other places in the Old Testament is a plural noun. It denotes more than two of something. I shared last week, I believe it is, Genesis 1.26, where it says, as God was creating the universe and the earth and forming man, he said, let us make man in our image. God was present, the Father was present in that moment, the Word, which is Jesus Christ, was present, and the Spirit of God was present as well. Looking at verse 2, it tells us that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And verse 3 tells us that everything that was made in Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 3, verse 3 says everything that was made was called forth and created by God, by his word. It's interesting that all three are pictured in that passage. The Apostle John reiterates this in John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 about Jesus being the Word. He says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So we have all three pictured in the first three verses of the first book of our Bible. Another example is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. The prophet Isaiah is experiencing something supernatural in this moment. If you read that passage of scripture, it says that there was a king who died, and in the day that he died, or days that he died, um, Isaiah the prophet received a vision. 
it's almost as if he had an out-of-body experience or that he was translated to a place. He saw physically in the throne room of God activity going on. And verse 8 says this, listen to me. He says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send who will go for us? Who could Father God be talking about when he says, will go for us? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah says, here I am, send me. So the picture in Isaiah chapter 6 is none other than our triune God that is present in the divine council asking the question of who shall we send for us? It's amazing. Here's more scriptural evidence. And it's not all, it's just three. The last scriptural evidence I'll give you today of the Trinity is found in what we call the Great Commission. That's Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Let me read 19 and 20 for you. It says, Jesus' words, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. It's interesting to know that there are not typos in the word of God and that Jesus used intentional language. If you're picking up what Jesus is putting down, you would have noticed that he did not say in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but he uses the singularity to signify the oneness of the Trinity in the name of God, the great I am, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So now that we've established that the Holy Spirit is indeed God, please do not offend him by thinking he is off duty and no longer working. (laughs) Because he is not an it, he is a person. He has the characteristic or the traits and attributes of a person. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that he has intelligence. That he, he has a brain or a mind. Verse uh, 30 of Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that he has emotions. In fact, there's a very interesting passage in the book of Acts that Peter is confronting someone who lied about what they were giving in the offering at church. And Peter says, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Calling him God and saying that he has emotions, that he could be lied to, essentially. He can be offended. He can be angry. And he also has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 tells us that he has a will and desire. Of course, it is in unity with the Father and the Son. So what I want to do for you now is I want to list out for you probably 20 things with Scripture references. So if you can't write this fast, take your phone out and take pictures of the screen. But I want to show you in Scripture what the Holy Spirit does in believers' lives and why we should embrace Him. The first thing in John chapter 14 is verse 26, He teaches. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. In fact, it says he'll remind you of all the words of Christ that you've been taught. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, it's very clear that he led, commanded, and guided the work of ministry. There are moments in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit said, Paul, don't go. Now is not the time. 
And there are other times when the Holy Spirit said, Paul, you should go now. It's the right moment. He guided and commanded and led the work of the ministry. And he still does so today. The Bible says that he prays. He is interceding for us and aids us in prayer. So not only is he up there and down here at the same time, he's praying, God, that you would touch Dan, that you would reveal yourself to him, that you would help Dan in the struggles in his life and the places that he needs. Not only that, but when Dan doesn't even know how to pray for a situation, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will aid you in praying because the Holy Spirit is God and knows what you need. And sometimes you might not even be able to pray in your native tongue, but you pray according to what Paul calls praying in the spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 is clear that he not only prays for us, but he prays through us. And also, Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Romans 8 is a great, great passage of scripture. I think it's um, forgotten about sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit. He assures us of our salvation. Many years ago, um, in my days as a child and as a youth, I don't know about you, but I got saved probably 37 times. Uh, anybody else here? Come on, raise your hand, please. Okay, I'm not alone. That's good. Uh, somebody's calling out 67 times. No. Um, listen, because wh- what happened? What happened was we sinned, and as a child with our child's understanding or our adolescent understanding, we sinned, we did something wrong, we, we knew that we kind of had dr- drawn away from God or separated ourselves, and so we recommitted our life to Christ. Listen to me, there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, I believe that there's a lot of believers meeting today in churches, even in our city, that would do well <laughs> to recommit themselves. Amen? We should, but I'm telling you what changed for me as a teenager was when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I no longer had fear that I was no longer God's or that he was completely against me or anything like that. I knew I was assured by the witness of the spirit inside of me that I belonged to God. And yes, there are moments that we sin and, and foul and mess up. After salvation, and we should seek forgiveness and restoration, but he assures you of your salvation, and he is needed. Amen? Other things that he does, he enables us to grow. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 tells us. Acts chapter 8 continues to tell us that he directed and enabled evangelism. The Holy Spirit, go and read Acts chapter 8. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and told him to go join a man reading a Bible in a chariot. The Holy Spirit enabled the evangelism in that moment. In John chapter 16, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So it's because of the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that makes us recognize, oh no, I've done something I shouldn't have and I've offended God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working to keep your relationship between you and God pure and holy. So that's why he convicts us of sin. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he baptizes the believer into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is another great passage for us to 
study and to look through because he baptizes believers into the body of Christ. And there we're told it is by one spirit that you have become the body of Christ. And on top of that, additionally, he gives spiritual gifts to the believers who are in that body. Amen. He also produces fruit in the life of those believers in Galatians chapter five. How many of you can sing that song? The fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Uh, Go look it up. Galatians chapter five. It's love, joy, peace, patience. Help me out. Come on. I'm testing you. (laughs) Okay. Some Christian school students are singing the version they sing in chapel. Yes. It is all of those things. Pastor, I'm really struggling. I have something going on in my life and I I feel like I'm out of control, like I I don't have the self-control that I need. Have you asked the Holy Spirit for his help? He can be prayed to. He can be spoken to. We do it every Sunday. At the end of our message, when we say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Because we know that he has a voice, that he spoke through the prophets of old, that he worked through miracles, signs, and wonders in the New Testament, and that he is still alive and well today and wants to speak to you and I. He also helps us to resist temptation. So he helps us live a holy life. He does all of these things. He comforts us. He empowers the mission and the vision and leadership of the church. He sanctifies us. The reason why I say that, that big word talking about sanctification is what it means is he is causing us to become holier today than we were yesterday. He wants to lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He wants to help you. You say, Pastor, I thought all of my sins were forgiven when I got saved. They were, but you've committed some since. And he wants to help you. And he also not only wants to help you, he wants to help stop you from doing that same thing a million more times. He loves you. He loves you. Somebody needs to hear that today. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He wants to be activated in your life. He wants to help you. He's helped me shut up before. (laughs) He's helped me open up my mouth before when I thought, well, maybe I should stand up for my faith and belief and I should say something. And then I kind of started shying away. Then I felt the power of the Holy Spirit say, no, this is the moment for you to speak. Speak up. It is every moment of every day that you need him. Amen. He was the impetus of the Old Testament prophets as well as the believers in the New Testament. And he's still working in a time period that Jesus calls forever. (laughs) And I looked up the word just to make sure there wasn't like a mistranslation. I looked at the original text. And guess what? When Jesus spoke in his native language here on earth and said forever, he actually meant forever. He didn't mean just for the building of the church right then and there. He meant for you now, for you as a parent, for you as a coworker, for you as a boss, for you in any and every role of your life. To have the gift of the Holy Spirit is such a wonderful thing. 
The Bible tells us that he's the agent of Christ's resurrection from the dead. It is by the Spirit's work that Christ rose from the dead. And the Bible tells us that that same Spirit now dwells inside of you. And there is something to be said of us tapping into that life-giving, life-empowering, life-transforming Spirit. So he's the agent of Christ's resurrection. He's Jesus' successor on the earth. Jesus clearly says that in John 14, 16. And he's the promise of the Father, which I've already shared with you, but that's a, another reference for you to look at. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Here's what's really amazing about God, and specifically about the person of the Holy Spirit. That he is both the gift, and he is the giver of gifts. He's a gift to you that you must Access. It doesn't just come naturally. It is something subsequent to salvation. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But he's also the giver of gifts. He wants to give gifts to the body of Christ for his glory. And the Bible says this, for the benefit of all. So it's not for you to show off, but it's for you to bless the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is needed. He's needed in your life. And even though we have him in our church, and your pastor has been baptized in the spirit. I need him today now more than I've ever needed him before. Because today has its own troubles, its own trials. Tomorrow has more obstacles that we will all face. That is why we need a fresh touch from the spirit of God to each and every one of us. The Bible says he'll be with us until Jesus returns for his bride. So he was not just for then, he's for now as well. In fact, in scripture we're told these things, that we should live in the spirit, that we should walk in step with the spirit, means that he's not walking behind me, and he's not nowhere to be found. I am taking the steps that he is taking. I'm not trying to step out in front of him and do my own thing. Somebody say Ishmael. I'm not trying to step outside of the will of God without the Holy Spirit's work, right? I'm trying to live and walk in step with the Spirit as if I'm united with Him, amen? We're to pray in the Spirit, the Bible says, and with our understanding. There are many moments that I hear of a need and I don't know what to pray. I know that God still heals and I'll pray that first, sure, But beyond that, I don't know what to pray. So the Spirit helps us. The Bible says this, in our weakness. And we don't want to admit that we've got those, but we do. And we're also told this, not to grieve the Holy Spirit. He can be offended. And we should not offend Him. Here are four great portions of Scripture that you should study. Just take a picture or write them down. All four of these are great sections of scripture. Galatians chapter 5, I didn't hit on very much. It talks about the work of the flesh. It talks about the temptations and what the life in the flesh that is redeemed but struggles with is like. And it says this, but if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Romans chapter 8 is a good one too. I'm telling you this. 
You might just think, I'm little old me, and I'm a grandma that stays at home, and I go to doctor's appointments, and I watch the kids from time to time, and I this and I that. I don't need the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It is not just for those who are in full-time ministry. Your pastor surely needs a special dose of the Holy Spirit, but you do too, because you meet with people in the world that I don't. You, you have coworkers and friends that I don't. So you need the Holy Spirit. It's also not only for a special class of privileged Christians. This is a misnomer and a misunderstanding in the church of Jesus Christ. But Sister Betty, whoo, she's special. She's filled with the Spirit of God. She's the one that speaks in tongues and she's, she must be that privileged, special class. Jesus must love her more than the rest of us. I mean, we didn't say those things out loud, but that's how we behaved and that's not okay. The Holy Spirit is not for a privileged group of special, holy, super saints. He's for you as an average Joe who can't quit smoking. <laughs> Hello? He's for us. Whew. And he's not only for mature Christians. You can be baptized in the spirit. The moment you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, immediately you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a secondary experience. In fact, the moment, and I've shared with you if you've been here before and you've heard my Holy Spirit series, I shared with you the moment that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit was a moment of me recommitting my life to Christ in a youth service with a powerful speaker and an amazing worship band. And God just ripped into my heart. And I knew how far away I was from him. And I, in that moment at that altar, confessed again and committed myself. And I said, God, I can't do this in my own strength. I, I keep walking away. I need something more. And then all of a sudden, the baptism in the Holy Spirit came on me. It was a supernatural, extra special, spiritual event. It is not just for mature believers. Amen? So who is it for? The Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit is available for all believers everywhere. What makes our fellowship of churches, which were part of a fellowship or denomination called the Assemblies of God, what makes us unique and distinctive are two things. Our belief in the baptism of the Holy Spirit that it still happens today and secondarily distinguishes us from a lot of uh, other denominations or groups of people is the fact that we were built, literally formed in 1914 by a group of people who desired to reach the world for Jesus. Those two things go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit is the one who can give you power to be his witness. And we, we came out of a, the birthing of a Pentecostal movement, a revival of God's spirit in churches all over the world that was happening in the early 1900s. And then a group got together and said, let's go and share this message with the world. How do we do this without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? We can't do it well. We can do it. You can do it in your own strength. But man, if you had the Holy Spirit, how much greater of a witness would you be? Amen. So let me ask you this. 
Because it was the norm of the early church, and we think it should be the norm now even in our church, in this church, and I have faith to believe that the Holy Spirit will baptize or you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit today if you choose to. The question I ask is, is the church no longer in need of the Holy Spirit? Surely today, when we have people spouting all sorts of demonic and absolutely deceptive garbage to our children through the education system, through the entertainment world, through all of these things. Surely, surely we need the Holy Spirit today more even so than they did back then. We need him. Every generation since he was given as a gift has needed him. They needed him in Rome and in Greece. They needed him as the gospel was preached under behind the curtain in China and in places like Germany and other places. They need him in places around the world in third countries. They also need him here. We need him here and now in the civilized nation that we live in because it's so dark. And believers are needing the power source of the Holy Spirit. So it's not that the church no longer is in need of growth. (laughs) Surely, amen. And we're surely not better off than those believers who were in the first century. Do we still need an advocate, a helper, an encourager? (laughs) The Bible calls him all of these things. Do we still need a guide? We need this surely we do we believe jesus words in john chapter 14 when he says there is no expiration date listen clearly jesus says if you love me you'll obey me you will keep my commandments verse 16 and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper so listen to me jesus is saying this i've been helping you (laughs) And what a ragtag bunch of people it was that he was trying to help. He said, I've been helping you, but when I leave, another helper is coming. And look at what it says, to be with you forever. He is called the spirit of truth in verse 17, whom the world cannot receive. So those who are unregenerated, those who are not believers in Jesus Christ cannot receive him because they neither see him nor know him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come back for you. So we're still in the time frame of forever that Jesus mentions here that he will send that helper and the Holy Spirit will not be needed on the earth after the church is gone. Hello? When Jesus comes to unite himself to the bride, which is the church of Jesus Christ, when that happens, the Holy Spirit is coming with us. There's no reason for the Holy Spirit to stay all by himself, right? It's for us to all be together with the Trinity for eternity. At the end of every one of our services, we take a moment and we say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Maybe you're a believer here today and you've, uh, and you've asked that you be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you haven't yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I believe that he can do that and do so today. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm a believer and I've never been baptized. Get 
you, you have the faith to have believed in Jesus Christ. And what you need is faith to believe that God wants to give you another gift called the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're dry and thirsty. Maybe, maybe you're at the place where you say, you know what? I've leaked out quite a bit. I've poured myself out and I need a fresh touch, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit and his power today. I'm feeling bone dry, like the light is blinking on the dashboard. I don't know if I'm gonna make it to the gas station kind of dry. Holy Spirit, I need you to refill me today. The Bible tells us this, that there are biblical conditions for receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to be careful and listen to me. The first two have no exceptions. Biblical conditions that are listed repeatedly in Scripture say that in order to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to receive the gift and the promise of the Father, you have to be at the place of repenting for your sins and having been saved and born again, received Jesus into your life and made him your Lord and Savior. Now, the third one is optional if you have the time. So listen to me. When I say this, nearly every example in scripture in Acts and following, they repented and believed, were water baptized, and then got spirit baptized. It was a four-stage process. But there are two notable exceptions in scripture. You say, well, pastor, I haven't been water baptized. Does that mean I can't be filled with the spirit today and baptized in the Holy Spirit? No, because you know who wasn't water baptized before receiving the Holy Spirit? The apostle Paul. I bet you I just told you something you didn't remember from Sunday school. Paul is on the, Saul at that moment is on the road to Damascus. He meets the Lord Jesus Christ and has an experience, a supernatural calling to ministry. He is led blind into the city to a man's house. And it says that when that man prayed for him later in the story, that something like scales fell from his eyes and his blindness was healed. Whatever it was that God had done physically to him, that ailment was gone. And it says, and he received the Holy Spirit and then he was water baptized. There's another example of Cornelius. Cornelius in scripture, his whole family, people gathered together in his home and they're telling him about how they can come to Christ and all of these things. They get saved and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes in and baptizes them. And then it says afterwards, they saw there was water there and they went and got baptized. So it's possible that that can come out of a different order, but the first two, absolutely not. Repentance and salvation are necessary. I want you to stand with me today. In this reverent moment of worship, and we've worshiped singing songs about the Holy Spirit, I've given you some facts about the Holy Spirit, some knowledge about the Holy Spirit. I've I've told you today how you can practically 
accept or receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In this moment today, with your eyes closed and us just in this in the sweet presence of the Lord our God, I want to pray over you. Holy Spirit, speak. Speak to every believer in this place. Lord, convict of sin. Give wisdom and direction through the working of your Holy Spirit. Baptize those who seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit today. Lord, we believe that you are God, the great I am, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that God will reward our faith today as we pray and seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if you fit into either of those two categories, if you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you would like to be, I would encourage you and invite you to come and meet me over here at the front of the stage off to the side. I'd love to pray with you. If you're a believer uh, in our church, somebody like Don and Diane filled with the Spirit, if you'd join me in praying for those people, you're more than welcome to. And those who want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, come and join me. I believe today is the day that the Holy Spirit wants to fall afresh in Celebrate Church and in your life and in mine. So if, you, if that applies to you and you need the baptism in the Spirit for the first time or you just want to be refilled with the Spirit today, would you step out of your seats right now as the worship team begins to play? Yes.